I'm going to be reading from Exodus 33 this morning. What we're going to be doing today will be slightly different to normal as already we would normally go through, take, uh, have an elongated time of worship at the beginning, have communion and then I would share and we'd close after that. But I want to share something which is serious and yet at the same time I want it to be encouraging to you this day. And so as we look at things this morning, it is with the view that after I finish preaching, the worship guys will come back and they're going to take us and lead us in a further section of worship during which time we will reflect on, I hope, what has been shared this morning. We'll do some personal business with God. And during that time, when you are ready, you can go and take communion. Uh, there's a communion table over here, and I think there's one at the back I can just about see behind Dave and Nina there. Um, I've been impacted over the last period of time, as you know, with the whole subject of the presence of God and our reading this morning is uh, at a place where the children of Israel have been set free from slavery having seen the mighty hand of God at work through miracles which did not benefit the Egyptians they had uh, painted the blood of the lamb over the doorposts and the angel that passed through the camp left their firstborn alive and all those who didn't paint the blood they lost their firstborn so they'd seen amazing miracles already before they even got out of the door they'd seen the people of Egypt hand them things to help them and assist them on their journey and so they're coming out not just free but free indeed with extra portions of stuff and therefore they start their journey they've come to that place where they couldn't go forward and they were hemmed in either side and then the pharaoh had decided to relent on his promise and he was chasing them down and Moses is immortal words really when you think about them stand still and see the deliverance of your God and the waters parted and they went through and the Egyptians charged on through behind them as they got to the other side the water came in and they were gone they've seen bitter waters made sweet they've seen manna from heaven they have seen water from a rock they'd come to Sinai and they had seen the visible presence of God to which they were afraid. They had even been given some commandments about having no other gods. And then while Moses is having a time of communion with God, of course they get to just before this point where they decide to make the golden calf. And Moses comes down and sorts things out. 
And from there, we come to this place where the Lord speaks to Moses, or Moses speaks to the Lord. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people. This is verse 12 of chapter 33. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he, referring to God, says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So here is a promise from God Despite their nation's failure, here is a promise from God that Moses implored God for. And he said to him, if, this is Moses now speaking, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And then Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he says, I will make my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take it away, away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This morning we're going to continue our exploration about the presence of God and what it means to become a people and a place, because you remember that I've already shared from 1 Peter 2 that we are living stones being built into a spiritual house. The word house can be translated temple. And so uh, we're being built into this spiritual house for the Lord. And wherever God's tabernacle was, his temple, the Garden of Eden, which he created in the beginning, God's presence was one of those things that marked those places as different or distinct, as Moses called it. And so what we have is, we, 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 I have this desire to know what it means to be a church, a local church where the presence of God is known and it is that which makes us distinct. Some of you might think, well, Dave, bless you, you might have that as your desire, but you know, that's a big ask. But I don't know that it is. 
Because in Exodus 19, 5 and 6, it says this, Now therefore, this is God speaking, If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Priests serve in the temple. Priests know the presence of God. We know that. When Solomon dedicated the temple, the manifest presence, the Shekinah glory of God fell in the place and they were not able to stand to minister. And I am told in scripture that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. Therefore, I, what I read of in scripture is available to me today. And that's where... I want to be dwelling. So before I actually launch into this, I just want to give you an encouragement because there would be an opportunity for you to go away, not discouraged, but um, maybe there's the possibility that you, if you don't listen, you could go away with condemnation. And therefore, I really want you to listen this morning. And this is my encouragement as we start. I need to make these four things clear to you. First, what I'm sharing is to exhort us to examine our hearts, not in order for us to be condemned, but as an encouragement to deepen our relationship with God. That is my heart. Therefore, if you hear anything this morning and it starts you start to feel condemned, you need to just step back for a moment because you're not listening, you're not remembering that. This is an exhortation for us to deepen our relationship with God. Secondly, Scripture exhorts us to do this through the encouragement of Paul and Peter in terms of self-examination. 2 Corinthians 13.5 and 2 Peter 1.10 both tell us basically that we ought to examine ourselves to see if we're still in the faith to make sure that we're going and walking according to God's way and so examination does not have to be a negative issue it's a positive issue because say we examine our hearts and we find something amiss well then we have the opportunity to redirect ourselves and get back on the right path On Friday night at Encounter, we were praying and as part of that, Neil uh, brought a word from Philippians 1.6 and I want to remind us of this this morning, it's important. It says, and I am sure of this, this is Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, God's invested in bringing it about bringing your transformation into the likeness of his son about. And lastly, scripture demonstrates in the lives of the nation of Israel, individuals and in the New Testament church, that there is a need for recalibration of our spiritual lives from time to time for our good. I don't know if any of you have ever used a car sat-nav, but as I'm driving sometimes, I shouldn't admit this, but I will put my finger on the screen and drag the 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 map down and then I lose that little arrow in the middle of the screen so I don't have a clue where I am and then 
You can panic then because you're thinking, okay, I've got this lady speaking to me, that's all right, that's one thing. But in all honesty, I prefer to see that little blue arrow because it makes me feel a bit more secure. And you can't find it again. You're pushing the map all over the place. But there is a button on there or a thing that you can touch which recenters the map. And there is that little blue arrow again. And I honestly believe in our walk with God, we need to learn that our lives will need recalibration from time to time, recentering, because we're human. I am not divine. I'm a leaky bucket. I start well and I sometimes don't finish as well as I started, but I can keep myself on track if I learn to live in the manifest presence of God. And by that what I mean is the awareness that God is genuinely with me, not as an academic head knowledge issue, but as a practical living reality. So please keep those things in mind. So my, my focus today is the desire of the heart. I wonder what the desires of your heart is. I wonder if you know how to tell what the desire of your heart really is. You see, as Christians, we all know that if you're asked that question within a spiritual context, that the right answer is Jesus. That's the right answer. But is it the true answer? That is the question. You see, I'm telling, going to confess something to you as a pastor. One of the things that happens with pastors and church leaders who want to see the gospel, yes, extended, which is a beautiful thing and a, and a holy desire, is sometimes we get off course and we become more caught up with the what we do rather than who we do it for. And sometimes when we're coming in and we're approaching God, we come in and we speak and we talk to God. We do the obligatory opening lines of prayer. Thank you, Father, and all the rest of it. Thank you for blessing us and everything. But now let's get down to business. And we're not there without an agenda. We come with an agenda. We want the things that we're looking for, the things that are seriously important to us to be fulfilled as we try and outwork what it means for us to serve the Lord. And I know only too well and too easily how easy it is that you become so caught up with ministry, so caught up with preaching, so caught up with... Seeing people, counselling people, praying with people, discussing projects and how we might reach out to the community and everything else that actually Jesus, our Heavenly Father and even the Holy Spirit get sidelined and parked. And we move from moving, being led by God to being led by human ingenuity and ideas and I don't want just a bunch of good ideas. I want God ideas. But God ideas don't just turn up, you see, because I believe for that we have to want to spend time with him. Only for him. 
And that isn't what we do so often. Even in our church gathering this morning, I'm tempted to ask you, I know it's Mother's Day, and I'm not asking, this is a non-response question, so don't wave at me, all right? Um, If you do, I'm going to totally ignore it, and I won't call you out. But some of us will have booked restaurants today to go off for Mother's Day after the service. Some of us will have already put our Sunday roast in and turned on the little button that says, start cooking at this time so when we get home we'll know that dinner's about half an hour away. But what if God moves? What if God moves? I guarantee you, even if you want to stay, you won't be able to because you're going to have to go home and turn the cooker off, otherwise there'll be a fire. Some might have already paid for lunch out and you'll have to go for lunch. And don't get me wrong, those things in and of themselves are not wrong. I'm not saying they're wrong. What I'm saying is, have we come with an expectation to sit with the Almighty God? Because I will tell you this, God is prepared to spend as long with us as we're prepared to spend with him. It's not him who will determine the length of time we spend in his presence. It's ourselves. So where is our heart? Now, in Scripture, the word heart, for us, so often, and for the ancients, it might have meant something to do with our thinking and emotions. Uh, For us, often we talk about the heart as an emotional thing. But in the Bible, the heart of the matter has got nothing. The heart has nothing to do with either of those things. It has to do with the seat of our desire. The seat of our desire. This is why the writer of the Proverbs says this, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. The writer puts a high value on the human heart, referring to it as the source of life. Now we all know that if our heart stops beating, we die and life ceases, unless we're resuscitated. But we're not talking just about a physical organ that pumps blood around a body here. We are talking about the seat of our desires. That's what we're talking about. Many of you, if not all of you, will know the passage of Scripture where Jesus says this in Matthew 6. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. Where where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. But it's this line. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I want to ask you this morning, where is your heart? How can you know? So think about these things. What do you trust in the most? What do you trust in the most? What do you hope in the most? What are the things that most capture your attention and imagination? 
And here's one that you, we all really need to think about. What are the things that are the center of our commitment or commitments? If you begin to ask those questions, you'll begin to discover what your heart's desire is. Each of those things affect your mind and your will and your emotions. And after that, they begin to direct your life and the drives of your life and lead you in the direction of where your heart is going. People who read body language say you can always tell when someone's lying when asked a question because very often they might say yes with their mouth but shake no with their head. And it's the shaking of their head that is the true answer. Or they might say no and go like that. It's a giveaway. Now, it's not for you to confess to me necessarily what your drive is, your deepest desires are, where your heart leans to in those moments when you don't have to think about anything, but your mind just naturally gravitates there. I want to ask you, does God feature ever? Do you want to spend time with God? It's an old-fashioned thing, a quiet time, isn't it? And I'm going to tell you this from personal experience. If I get busy, do you know what the first thing that gets shelved very often is? I know it, and I'm, I'm ashamed to even say it, but sometimes it will be my quiet time. When I go into my office in the morning and I want to spend some time in prayer and there's that flipping computer sat there, and I have full control over that computer... I do not have to switch it on. But guess what? I switch it on. Or my phone starts dinging at ridiculous o'clock with outlook messages from church of some sort. I get loads of them starting any time as early as 10 to 6 going on, right? They just keep dinging away. I've turned off my notification now because I'm fed up of it dinging. So if I don't get back to you, you'll have to text me if you've written me a, an email because it just means I've, you know I've turned my notifications off. I want to ask you, where is your treasure? Where is it? Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. Does your heart drift towards God's commandments. John 15, if, if my word abides in you. You know, that vital connection with the vine, if my word abides in you. Does our mind gravitate towards God's word? Let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and the years of life and peace, they will be added to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How can we trust in someone we don't spend time with? 
or we relegate to a Sunday morning or the occasional podcast or the occasional help prayer? Where does it wander to? Where is your treasure? You see, I called this the desire of my heart. The heart is the seat. It's the place that all those things go to automatically. Maybe it's your title at work. You like being who you are, whatever that job, role, title might be. Maybe that's where you get your, yes, I'm somebody. I want to get my yes, I'm somebody from being a child of the king. That's what I want to do. I don't always do. Desire. In our passage that I read about Moses, he said, God said, my presence will go with you and give you rest. And he said, if your presence doesn't go, then don't let me go from here. For how else will anyone know that we're basically distinctive, that you are our God and we are your people? You see, Moses wanted to get his identity, wanted to get his life source. He wanted to get everything from God and the presence of God. Not a theological degree that he'd studied in Egypt while he was a prince. And I'm not against theology. I'm serious, I am not against theology. Theology is the study of God. So you've got an opinion on God, you're already dabbling in theology. All right? Even people who don't believe in God are dabbling in theology, basically, because they're saying there ain't one. All right? So I'm not anti-theology, but theology without the presence of God, without an intimate and knowledgeable um, manifest relationship with God is nothing but dry dust and it sticks in your mouth. And if you've ever done that, you've been eating and you eat something like... um, cream crackers and you have too many of them all of a sudden they start to stick to the top of your mouth and it becomes very uncomfortable and you have to look for some water in order to get it moving again and get it all swilling around and down in the right place forgive that but the truth is some of us are happier with dusty cream cracker theology than we are with actually knowing God I want to know God. There is a verse of scripture that God, for me, I felt led me to. And it's not one that you, you might already be expecting me to use this. But Revelation 2. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, uh, and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently, bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary in any of those things. Most of us would be really happy with a church like that, wouldn't we? But then Jesus goes on. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. 
Even though they were doing all those things, they had fallen. And that's a challenge to us. Repent and do the works you did at first. I wonder how many of us who are married <clears throat> can remember that those first few weeks and months of our relationship with our partner. <clears throat> how did you know that you were starting to get a bit serious with that person? For me, it was because I just wanted to spend time with her. That's the issue. I wanted to spend time with her. And that time got more and more and more. Until now, I married her and I live with her. And the majority of our life, we've worked together in some form or other, whether that's in ministry or in business, we've worked together. Some people, I'm not saying that that's what you've got to do, but some people might find that, oh, flipping egg, I couldn't do that. But I just love being with my wife. I can't drive. I, I find it hard. I find it hard to go away for a day, let alone um, a week on my own, you know. I, I would really struggle. I'd have to give her a phone call so I could hear her voice. And I know you might say you're a soft apath, pal, but... Yeah, I'll be a soft apath every day. I don't care. But I wonder if I'm like that with God. I wonder if I'm like that with God. A guy called Oswald Saunders wrote this. Both scripture and experience teach us that it is we, not God, who determine the degree of intimacy with him that we enjoy. We are, um, we are at this moment as close to God as we really choose to be. True, there are times when we would like to know a deeper intimacy, but when it comes to the point, we are not prepared to pay the price. Everything in our Christian life and service flows from our relationship with God. Why does it matter? And I'm just going to be quick, so guys, get ready to come back. Why does it matter? Ezekiel 44, 28. We're a kingdom of priests, if I read the New Testament correctly. It was God's desire for the children of Israel to be a kingdom of priests. If I read the Old Testament correctly. Interesting, isn't it, that... In Ezekiel 44, 28, God says, This shall be their inheritance. I am, the name of God, I am their inheritance. And you shall give them no possession in Israel. I am their possession. Jesus said in his gospel, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are the source of life. Peter told us, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're to be in a relationship with God 
which is all-encompassing. The interesting thing about Ezekiel 44, if 28 onwards, if you read onwards, the suggestion very clearly is that because God is their inheritance, every need that they will ever have will be met in him and in that relationship. Every need, every need, not just practically, but every case. Do you want to overcome sin in your life today? Then make the pursuit of knowing the tangible presence of God, your heart's desire. Do you want to be changed more into the likeness of Jesus as God the Father's desire is for us? Then pursue the tangible presence of God. Do you want to see family and friends come to know him? Then pursue the tangible presence of God. Do you want to simply hear God's voice speaking to you? then pursue the tangible presence of God. Don't let go of him. Don't give up because you walk in and you sit down and you say, okay, God, I'm here now. I got five minutes at the moment, so I'm going to sit here and just wait for you to talk to me. And it seems all silent. Don't give up. Do you know our lives are so busy, so full of noise? When I come in sometimes to pray, I've got to tell you, this morning when I got up and I went downstairs and I sat in the little room on the left-hand side of the corridor and I, I, and I, I started to try and still myself, Every, all these things started flooding into my mind what I was going to have to do. And it took quite a while for those to dribble to nothing. We're not used to sitting in silence. And yet in silence is when we will hear the voice of God. Do you remember Elijah? There was an earthquake and the wind and the fire. But then there was the still, small voice. I really want to encourage you to pursue it. And just because it doesn't happen instantaneously, don't give up. Bill Eliff, who... Uh, I was introduced to this week through Joe Brown sent me a video and I listened to it and I thought I like this guy I'll see what he's written and I found out a bit more he made this statement more can happen in five minutes of God's manifest presence than in 50 years of our best human effort Richard Robert Owen Roberts wrote revival which is something we all say we want can be defined in one word God I love that. God. So my final question to you is this. Are we content with a business as usual church? Are we? Or are you, like me, longing for something which is far more abundant and beyond that? I am wanting that. In order for that to happen, we need to pursue the presence of God at every opportunity. Remember, we should get to the place where we pray without ceasing. That is living, isn't it? In the presence of God. Talking to God about everything. Every moment of every day. So it's up to you now. It's not up to me. I can't do for you anything. You can't do for me anything.
we have to be willing to show ourselves. Neil, can you come up and the guys, please? Um, I'm not really looking for loud, and this isn't me communicating, I've already talked to Neil about it, so this isn't me trying to communicate a secret message without looking like it. I'm not really looking for loud, necessarily demonstrative worship, necessarily. But I would like us just to spend some time worshipping the Lord with the help of the songs that have been chosen. And at the same time, reflecting on our current place where we are with God and where he is in our lives. I love it that he is my inheritance. He is my portion. My inheritance, my portion. That's beautiful. And so just, if you want to join in, you can. If you just want to listen, you can. You don't have to stand. You can if you want to. But when you've talked with God a while, feel free when you are ready to go to the communion table and take the bread which represents his body broken for us and take the juice which is to represent Jesus' shed blood for us. Because I don't know you all this morning in the room, I just want to say to you, whilst I believe this is an open table and you are free to come, It is up to you. Scripture says, let a person, a man, examine himself whether he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. And then gives a fairly stark warning. For if we eat, not discerning the body of the Lord, then we bring judgment on ourselves. And so it's about where you are with God, isn't it? It's about, do you love him? Are you wanting to pursue his manifest presence? Are you wanting to know him in a much deeper and intimate way? Do you want to? And if you do, then feel free to break bread. But nobody's going to stop you if you come up. That is your decision. Thanks.